0: This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Consumer prices in America in May were 8.6% higher than a year earlier, the fastest inflation rate in more than four decades, up from an annual pace of 8.3% in April. Prices rose by 1% in May alone, and the Core Index, which strips out food and energy, by 0.6%. Stocks finished their worst week since January, and bond yields rose amid speculation that the Federal Reserve might raise interest rates further or faster as a result. More than 20 million Americans tuned in on Thursday night to watch the hearings of a congressional investigation into the attack on America's capital on January 6th last year by supporters of Donald Trump. A committee set out to prove that the riots were part of an quote, attempted coup. Along with video footage and live testimony, they presented reports that Mr. Trump had spoken approvingly of the mob's chance to, quote, hang Mike Pence, his vice president. On Friday morning, the former president took to his own social media platform to rubbish the recorded testimony of his daughter, Ivanka Trump. Ukrainian officials and military officers said that their forces fighting in the eastern Donbas region have run perilously low on artillery ammunition. They estimated that Russia has 10 to 15 times as many artillery pieces as they have at the front, putting Ukraine at a grave disadvantage in a war of attrition. The complaint was also a plea. Most of their ordnance is arriving from Western countries, and not fast enough, they say. The president of the European Union's parliament said the institution stood quote, fully behind Ukraine's bid to become a candidate for joining the EU. Roberta Metzula was speaking at the Copenhagen Democracy Summit on a day devoted to a discussion on how to quote, defend Ukraine, counter authoritarian powers, and build an alliance of democracies. The head of the UN's humanitarian office, OCHA, said that Sri Lanka could be on the brink of a quote, full-blown humanitarian emergency, unquote, as the country grapples with its worst economic crisis since independence in 1948. Sri Lanka defaulted on its debt for the first time in May. On Thursday, the UN promised the country $47 million in emergency assistance. Janine Añez, briefly a president of Bolivia, was sentenced to 10 years imprisonment for breach of duty. She had taken the helm of a hastily assembled caretaker administration after President Evo Morales resigned in 2019, whereupon she wrenched the country rightwards, away from the rest of left-leaning Latin America. Ms. Añez was arrested on charges of terrorism and sedition in March 2021, soon after allies of Mr. Morales defeated her side in elections. America will drop its requirement that travelers arriving at its airports first test negative for COVID-19 from Sunday. Airlines have long lobbied the government for the change, saying many Americans were being put off international travel by the prospect of testing positive and being stuck abroad. IATA, the world's biggest airline trade group, said it was, quote, great news. And phrase of the week, the octopus doctrine, as described by Naftali Bennett, Israel's prime minister, discussing his approach towards Iran. We no longer play with the tentacles, with Iran's proxies. We've created a new equation by going for the head.
1: And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. A possible gun deal has momentum. After a deluge of mass shootings, many Americans are fed up. On Saturday, tens of thousands are expected to attend at least 450 March for Our Lives gun reform demonstrations across the country and beyond. Organizers expect as many as 100,000 to march at the rally in Washington, D.C., America has seen at least 254 mass shootings this year, notably at a supermarket in Buffalo, where a white supremacist targeted African Americans, and in Uvalde, Texas, where a gunman killed 19 children and two teachers at a primary school. The anger may yield political results. A sweeping gun reform bill passed by the House of Representatives on June 8th will probably falter in the Senate, but negotiations for a more modest bipartisan Senate bill look promising. The model may be Florida, which changed its laws after a school shooting in 2018. A so-called, quote, red flag law there prevents dangerous people from accessing guns and limits the purchase of some firearms to under-21s. That will not end gun violence, but it could help. A raucous election in Alaska Alaska has been a state for just 63 years. For 49 of them, its sole congressional seat was held by Don Young before he died in March. Nearly 50 candidates have filed to run in the primary election to fill the remainder of his term. The vote will be held on Saturday. The candidates include Josh Revak, a state senator endorsed by Mr. Young's widow, and a man called Santa Claus. A better-known aspirant is Sarah Palin, a former governor who served notoriously as John McCain's running mate in the 2008 presidential race. But although she enjoys the endorsement of Donald Trump, Ms. Palin may struggle to convince Alaskans she is serious. A recent television appearance saw her rapping while dressed as a bear. In August, the four candidates who win the most votes will compete to determine who completes Young's term, which runs until January. In a separate primary and then, finally, a general election this November will be needed to decide who will occupy the seat after that. Alaskans could be forgiven if they are confused. Football's corruption scandal drags on. Sepp Blatter and Michel Platini were once the most powerful men in football. Mr. Blatter was president of FIFA, the world governing body, from 1998 until 2015. Mr. Platini, a former captain of the French national team, ran UEFA, FIFA's European subsidiary, from 2007 to 2016. Racked by allegation of corruption, the pair has since fallen from grace. This week, both men went on trial in Switzerland. Under the spotlight is a payment of 2 million Swiss francs, or $1.8 million, made in 2011 from FIFA to Mr. Platini, authorized by Mr. Blatter. Both men say the payment was made to settle a gentleman's agreement over Mr. Platini's salary, but prosecutors allege it was fraud and embezzlement, and, even if legitimate, was paid well after it should have been. If found guilty, Mr. Blatter and Mr. Platini would join an inauspicious group of other convicted former football executives, many of whom faced charges relating to evidence found during a raid on FIFA's headquarters in Zurich in 2015. Sometimes the beautiful game leaves behind an ugly mess. Traffic noise might affect intelligence. Arthur Schopenhauer called noise, quote, the most impertinent of all interruptions. Since the German philosopher was driven batty by the cracking of horsemen's whips, one wonders how he would have managed in a cacophonous modern city. Not very well if new research published in PLOS Medicine, a journal, is anything to go by. In a study in Barcelona, nearly 3,000 children from 38 different primary schools were given a series of cognitive tests. The results were compared against recordings of road traffic noise taken from their schools. They suggest that more traffic noise was linked to an impairment of cognitive development. Average decibel readings were linked to worse outcomes, but the pupils' cognition seems to have been more deeply affected by spikes in sounds, such as cars honking horns or revving engines. Children exposed to more of those noise events suffered a slower development of memory and attentiveness, the tests showed. Noise regulations in cities are often based on average decibel levels rather than spikes. Rethinking that might serve children better. Weekend Profile – The Gupta Brothers Ajay, Atul, and Rajesh Gupta were not born in South Africa. But within 20 years of arriving, they had allegedly pulled off one of the most remarkable corruption schemes in history. The three brothers stand accused of orchestrating a mind-boggling scam of state capture in the 2010s in which at least 49 billion rand, or $3.2 billion in public money and contracts, was apparently channeled into or through Gupta-linked firms, making the brothers fabulously wealthy. Last Monday, Atul and Rajesh were arrested in Dubai in relation to a case being pursued by South African authorities. The Guptas have denied any wrongdoing and described the allegations as politically motivated. Ajay has not yet been arrested. The trio grew up in Saharanpur, a sleepy town in northern India. Their father, a small-time businessman and trader, urged them to go out into the world and make their fortunes. Atul, the middle son, arrived in South Africa around the fall of apartheid and began a business assembling cheap computers. Within a few years, his brothers had joined him, and together they began to forge political connections in their adopted homeland. That soon paid off in the form of public contracts, such as one in 2002 to supply computers to government-run schools. They seemed quickly to settle on a modus operandi of pocketing cash while delivering little journalists found that the computers did not work as promised. Few friendships were as profitable for the Guptas as that with Jacob Zuma. The brothers met Mr. Zuma in the early 2000s, when he was the country's deputy president. The Guptas regularly invited Mr. Zuma into their Johannesburg home and employed his son as a director of some of their businesses. After winning the presidency in 2009, Mr. Zuma repaid the favors in spades, ultimately handing over, in effect the keys of state. The Guptas secured control of the boards of huge state-owned firms, including the electricity, rail, and ports monopolies. Investigations by public watchdogs and a judge-led inquiry have reported that by around 2015, the Guptas were able to have cabinet ministers appointed and fired. Yet the brothers seem to have made a fatal mistake. Most of the time, bribe payers follow an unwritten code. Steal only as much as you can before attracting attention and getting caught. To the Guptas, this seemed to be just one more rule to be broken. Having left South Africa in 2016, two years before Mr. Zuma stepped down, Atul and Rajesh, who now face a contentious extradition fight, may have an unhappy return. The winners of this week's quiz... Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz, and sincere apologies to readers who were sent an old question in Friday's email newsletter. The winners, chosen at random from each continent, were Asia Aram Kim, Bucheon, Republic of Korea, North America Christian Hechimovic, Squamish, Canada, Central and South America Michael Tanaka and Beatriz Fortes, Brasilia, Brazil, Europe Eric Mashkelason, Helsinki, Finland. Africa, Hasid Raja, Nairobi, Kenya. Oceania, Ian Hamilton, Perth, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of David Tennant, Earl Grey, Shirley Chisholm, Jane Fonda, and In the Heights. The theme is novels by the Bronte's. The Tenant of Wildfell Hall, Agnes Gray, Shirley, Jane Eyre, and Wuthering Heights. And visit the Espresso app for our new Weekend Crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Jeanette Rankin, who was born on this day in 1880. You can no more win a war than you can win an earthquake.